This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 186 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by Hands on Gloves. Horsemanship Radio is a part of the family of the Horse Radio Network. And today we have kind of a special thing, a Stream Horse TV Stable Social Live. It was a brand new um, direction, really, in media for horses. And we have Laura Kellen May on. This is Debbie Lauk, and you're listening to the Horsemanship Radio. Thanks for joining us. Horsemanship Radio airs on the 1st and the 15th of the month, and I have Jen with me, my producer. How are you, Jen? Yay! Glad to be here. I can't wait to hear this interview because I did not get to participate. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's true. that's true. I did it without you. you no, did I didn't it really me. at all. <laughs> <laughs> all I did was show up, but it, it but it was fun. It I, was fun. I, I like what they're doing. I like that they're um, diversifying this media that is the equine media these days. You guys are like foundational pilot trailblazers and all that stuff with uh, your horse radio network. But people are looking into that streaming uh, TV, and it, it really is uh, going with the current of diversifying from TV in a box as we know it. So tell us a little bit about um, some of the topics that you're going to be talking about in, mm-hmm. during this interview. Well, thank you. Yeah, uh, Laura is an amazing uh horse person and you should look her up. So she was going to, I was a little intimidated how I was going to handle that, but she was really calming and and wonderful as an interviewer. And what she did is she wanted to get a little background. So what they're doing is it's kind of a, um, is it a get to know you chat? Yeah. Oh, goody. It basically is. Yeah. With questions that are, they were pretty softball. I have to say, Jen, (laughs) they were pretty easy, (laughs) but you know, she wanted to get a little background on, um, you know, we'd done that Trailblazers episode on uh, Stream Horse TVs um, mm-hmm. when they kind of launched. You know, they did with this Trailblazing Women, and we were really across the board. And it gave an opportunity to hear some women that are behind the scenes in, in a lot of ways, uh, either in founding things that have gone on larger than themselves or in working with people behind the scenes to help the equine industry. Um, it's not that we're all that altruistic or anything. Well, some of us are, but um, certainly there are some women on there that have spent their life doing behind the scenes. But there's Patty Colbert, and you know, and there's some really outgoing women on there too. And when they did the Trailblazers, it was sort of eye-opening as to there's some impactful stories that can be put out there that people would enjoy. And so this was, uh, you know, a social a social hour, and it was a little on my background and growing up a Roberts kind of thing. And um, but also we had some fun stories too so people can now, listen on that do, do am i right that you guys got to answer some questions from people who were listening and watching live yeah they did you're right there were some people names that i recognize it's fun to have friends on there and that's that's sort of their basis too you know it's like glenn's done a few of these your husband glenn hebert um it's, it's kind of a virtual um behind the scenes chat it's it's, it's a it virtual is. Uh, inside the actor's studio, you have an interviewer right. and a and an interviewee, and those watching live can participate by um, submitting questions via 
the um, instant message interface, which is really cool, which is why when I, when I heard that little snippet of sound, I'm like, oh, she answers questions. I can't wait. So let's, uh, <laughs> let's get right to it without any further ado. We are going to hear from our title sponsor, and that would be? Well, hands-on gloves, of course. There we go. And then we're going to get right to our interview. Hi, I'm Monty Roberts. And am I excited to bring you the news of a revolutionary, new, all-in-one, shedding, bathing, grooming tool. Hands-on gloves. They are fantastic. And you believe me, I've tried them all. Hands-on outperforms traditional curry combs, shedding blades, metal bristles, and all those things. Most animals will gravitate to you for more grooming and petting time. If you wear them, your animals will love you more for it. While using the hands-on gloves, you can easily handle water hoses, shampoo bottles, lead ropes, leashes, and anything you want with them on your hands. They are easy to clean, and they massage muscles and stimulate circulation while helping to distribute natural oils for a healthy skin and coat. Hands-on is changing the way we bathe, de-shed, and groom our animals forever. Hands-on gloves. They are fantastic. Hi there, and welcome to Stable Social Live. Hi, my name's Laura Kellen-May, and welcome to the premier broadcast of Streamhorse TV, Stable Social Live, where we spark engaging conversations for horse people, no matter what area of the equine world you are in. Before we go to our featured guest, Debbie Roberts-Lokes, daughter of legendary horse person Monty Roberts, let me tell you a little bit about what's happening during our first season of Stable Social Live. We will be broadcasting live weekly, joined by special guests from all across the equine world, including authors, trainers, riders, horse care experts, artists, and notable horse world personalities. And stay tuned because we have a special segment, Retrading Goal Series, which spotlights retired racehorses starting their second careers, and that should be a lot of fun. We'd like for you to get involved, so please put your questions and comments right here in the chat comment area. There's lots of places that you can do that if you have any questions or comments about what we're talking about. One final thing before we head off to our special guest, do you know someone who could who would enjoy watching this or someone who would like to see this broadcast? Please share it. Now, I am very excited to have our special guest join us, Debbie Roberts-Lokes. Hi, Debbie. Good Hi, to see you. <laughs> hey, thanks for welcoming me. You know yeah. what? Congratulations on launching this. This is wonderful. Yes, thank you so much. I'm, it's been uh, it's been kind of a crazy last couple of weeks here, but yeah, it's very exciting. I'm so excited to be a part of this. It's I did have uh, the equestrian skill builders that I worked on for the last little bit, but yeah, having special guests come on here is really good. So, where are you coming in from, Debbie? I you I'm hailing from Solvang, California. Do you you know where that is? I have no idea. I'm sure it's warmer where I, than where I am, though. <laughs> you have a sweater on. It might yeah. be a little warmer. Yeah, we're 
pushing 80 today, but I'm uh, in Central California. Some people will know it as the San Inez Valley. It's uh, a place for wine and horses. And when I was growing <laughs> up, there was no wine. <laughs> so um, they really didn't put grapes in until later. But about the time I was in college, uh, so in the 80, 70, 75, 80, they started to go crazy with the wine, but they kept the horses too. So it's a, it's a perfect environment for all us ladies of horses. <laughs> okay, well, I'd like to share a brief bio about Debbie. Debbie joined her with her parents, Monty and Pat Roberts, in 2002. Uh, she's Debbie's lifelong work with horses, as well as her commitment with Monty to advance his concepts, has impacted millions of individuals, companies, organizations, governments, and industries. She is credited with launching the first of its kind Equus Online University and is responsible for taking her family's passion brand into global status. Debbie also has a radio show, Horsemanship Radio, on Horse Radio Network, and we'll put the link to that in the comments. You can go directly there. So are you ready to go right into the weekly warm-up? I am. Thank you. Okay, so for anybody who's watching, for people who are watching live, you're welcome to join in the conversation. If you have a question or comment or just want to share something with us, please do. We'd love to hear from you. Now, with, with regards to warm-up, I think we all know and understand that when we do exercise, we should do a warm-up. So when you start with your horses, what do you do for a warm-up? when you start your sessions with your horses? Sure. Yeah. It's a great question. And I, you know, I'm, I'm one of those oh, middle-aged women that I like to get a, a good warm up on my horse. I know, I know, I know, sorry, <laughs> but you know, I think there's, there's a lot of us out there. There's a lot of women that I meet that are women over 40 getting back into horses. You know, maybe they were pretty invincible as a kid um, and they felt like they're just going to jump back up on a horse at age 40 or 50, and it's just going to be the same. And it's not. And um, we find that we're a little bit more vulnerable, a little bit more mm, fragile and not nearly as confident. Right. I mean, it's almost right. like a theme anymore. Yeah. Right. And I think one of the mistakes we make if we didn't do a lot of warm up as a kid uh, is that we think we can jump up on the horse and warm up there. I'm not that brave. I, <laughs> I have horses that can, you know, they like to buck and fart and do all those things before you, the day starts, you know? So I, I like to do a little warm up, saddled up in the, um, in the around pen in a sand paddock or something like that. I let them get, get their wiggles out is what I say, you know? And so that's, that's one thing, but they actually even can do harm if they're really, you know, they've been pent up or something mm -hmm. or it's Monday, then sometimes, um, sometimes even then I'll, I'll put them on a, we have a, a 12 horse aqua or not the aqua tread, but the Eurosizer and, uh, and might do a little warm up there if I really feel like they need to take an edge off, but just jumping into the warm up, um, it, a lot of it depends on what I'm going to be doing with the horse. And I'm sure that most people would say something like that. Like if you're a hunter jumper, if I'm, if I pop over a cup, we have transition horses and we can talk about that in a little bit, yeah. I hope. Yep. But, um, you know, some of these horses are being, 
taken from the track, the OTTBs off the track thoroughbreds. And it, we might warm them up by just popping over a log or two or a cavaletti. You know, at first, they don't even know what that thing is on the ground. It could be a hose and it's a little scary, you know. So let's warm up with something like that, too, where their mind is focused. And um, to me, I think for the discipline that they're going to be in now, a rainer, I would do a little bit more um, pivoting and just at a walk, even just, you know, your your slower pace, just like you would do with your own muscles, you know, and I'm not stretching yet, just warming, just warming. But I think one of the things that Laura, that you, you and I were, we exchanged emails about were to engage the mind, to engage and get the horse a bit focused on their feet and on their um, their job, you know, well, that's, for the day. That's one of the questions that I did have here. Why is it important to get your horse's body and their mind engaged? You know, that that's so much, so often I see people get on their horse and they think, okay, let's go, let's go, let's go. Uh, they don't take the time to engage the horse up here as well as throughout their body. Yeah, so important. And and I think we're fortunate to have uh, training here enough where the, when you put that saddle on and you get that horse warmed up, they become more professional about it. And when their mind is engaged in being professional, you're actually a lot more confident up there. Now you've got something to do. And so if it's going to be a horse that's going to pop over a few things or whatever, I might like to take them up and down a slope a little bit, you know, just get that back in engaged and, um, you know, just warm up those muscles that push off, you know, but mostly it's about the mind, Laura. I think mm -hmm. that's really what I'm trying to do is get them into that professional mode for the right. day. doesn't mean you can't have fun, but it means that, you know, they're going to be warmed up for what they are being trained to do. I, I like what you said at the beginning about people who now they're going to make fun of me about the way I say about, right? About, about, about how <laughs> I love it. Yeah. About how, uh, uh, if you're an older rider, uh, that you just can't warm up before you get on the horse. So what things can middle-aged riders who used to ride when they were kids do before they get on to help them, just warm up their muscles. What, uh, what's a, a specific exercise, let's say, for that uh, am amateur rider who's going to take their horse out for a ride for one day? Yeah, it's a great question. And I suppose it's, uh, it depends on our maladies at this point. Too. <laughs> do we have old knees or, you know, <laughs> what do we have left here too? And, but I, I think warm up is as important for the rider as it is for the horse, obviously, maybe more. <laughs> because the horse is younger tend to tends to be. Um, but I, I, you know, I think some of us are fortunate to live uh, on a property that has the stabling and stop taking your car, walk to the stable, you know, do something yourself to get your head in the game too. Um, don't take your phone. I mean, I guess if you want to use it as an emergency, um, you know, to put it in your pocket with it, sound turned off or something, but get your brain engaged too in your warm up. So whatever you need to do to do some stretching for me, my back gets a little stiff and everything too. So I like to do some bends and things, but again, it's going to be centric to, you know, my needs, but whatever you do for warm up, uh, you know, I, I, I'm a big believer in breathing. So my funny little warm up is diaphragmatic breathing. And I don't know if people even know what that is, but it's where well, you push. Yeah. 
I was going to say that's something that people who maybe have done yoga would maybe know that they you go with your your tummy, push it out. Right. Is that right? Exactly right. I learned it in in theater, you know, in high school when I first started learning to try to carry a note, you know, in musicals and things. My teacher was a good singer. He he was um, a good singer. And he he taught me to breathe first. And dad had always talked about breathing, but he was very purposeful about it as a coach, you know. And yeah, and I I suggest people do that if they really want to know how to deep breathe. You can go on YouTube these days, you know, and and learn about diaphragmatic breathing. But um, in a Western saddle, there's two things about a warm up with a Western saddle. One is you've got a horn there that you can breathe out to, you know, your belly out. So what it's doing for anybody who's not sure what we're talking about is it's pulling by pushing your belly out when you breathe in, as opposed to lifting your chest up, pushing that belly out, it pulls the organs down and allows those lungs to fill up. There's a diaphragm in there, which is a flat, big picture of pie-shaped muscle that drags down and drags up. When you raise up, your, your lungs don't have much air in them. When you blow that belly out, it allows those lungs to fill up with air and all that oxygen is really good for you anyway. The other part of my warm up is lifting a Western saddle, <laughs> which is that's pretty your, heavy. That's your upper body workout. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, so there is that too. Yeah. Yeah. I like what you say about you have to do your warm up based on your, um, your own physical ability, like you say, knees or nothing. Yeah, we're, we're going to get to the knee part when we talk about the retraining, transitioning the thoroughbreds, because, yeah, I had to do some retraining. We do have a couple of comments here. I wanted to show them here. This is Randy. Thank you so much, Randy, for Randy putting a comment. Hi, ladies. Great to see you both chatting. Monty Roberts influenced so many horse people with his horse skills and his marketing. Yeah, so it's not just for horse skills. It's also the marketing that he's known for, too. Thank you, Randy. And again, I thought I saw another one from Randy. Randy also says, thank you again, Randy. I find that most riders or those working with horses may not know they can connect with the horse physically or mentally. These people also need to get warmed up. Yes. And Pierce the Heart. Thank you, Pierce the Heart. I think that might be Tom. Breath work is the best work. Yes. Thank you so much. That's really good. Very good. Thank you for the comments. All right. Well, thank you so much for that sure. weekly warm up. Now let's get into the next segment, talking about you and how you brought Monty Roberts' brand to global success. Uh, I read some information that you sent, and it says with touring put on hold due to the COVID nineteen pandemic, Monty has spent time at home with his daughter and legacy strategist Debbie Lauks. Now, I've never heard that term before. What's the story behind the legacy strategist? Well, um, basically, when you have a family business, everybody wears a lot of different hats, right, Laura? You know, there's no real job description that comes with with the job. And, And I had helped out in lots of different capacities, you know, and I and the capacity that I, I wanted to pivot to was going into boardrooms and talking to, uh, you know, doing some fundraising and talking to important people who make decisions about 
nonprofit work. And the nonprofit work in our case start off with the school and helping people get educated in the concepts that were pretty new back in the day, you know, back in mm-hmm. 89 when the queen called dad over for people who don't know this story. That's, that's how a lot of this um, natural horsemanship grew out of is in 1989 when the queen who's very horsey sent her head equerry over from England, to check out what dad did differently to train horses because he was so successful with the thoroughbreds. And that's what she owns a lot of our thoroughbreds. She also rides fell ponies and and has other horses too. Um, And she names them all. She's lovely that way. She is truly horsey for people who ever want to know, is it for real? It's for real. So um, the, the fun part of that was that she, she knew horses and she knew that her head equerry knew horses and that if there was any goofiness in this, you know, thing that he talks about. Trendy trickery or just kind of, Exactly. Type stuff. What she yeah. figured out was darned if he hadn't discovered, not invented, not coined or anything. He had discovered right. uh, what he saw in the Mustang herds as a kid uh, in the Nevada desert. And this discovery was a language between a very silent herd. You know, you know does it drive you crazy when you watch a horse movie and all the fake whinnies are in there? Yes, when, when some, yes, it does. It it drives me nuts when something happens and the horse is all weenies. No, they don't do that. They don't do yeah. that. Yeah. No, they don't well, do that. You can imagine that Mustangs do it even less. They, you know, if they make noise, they're eaten. So, so you, you learn to be very quiet, right? Yes. And yeah. And Randy Thompson says she remembers. Yeah. <laughs> they're they're super quiet. And that means that how do they communicate in the herd? How do they know to go find water? How do they know all how do how does the matriarch discipline the extreporous teenage boys, you know, in the herd and all these things? How does this all go on in utter silence, you know? And um it turns out there's a lot of body language involved in in horses, between horses. So dad thought, you know, that's what I need to do. I need to use more body language to communicate to the horse that I want to send him away or I want to invite him in or I'm trustworthy. I breathe down. I, you know, I keep a low heart rate, a low pulse. And most people, you know, who are excellent, Laura, you included with horses tend to be pretty low key. They tend to be quiet around their horses. The ones that are Pure on champions are often very quiet, quiet hands, quiet everything around their horses. Let their horses do the work that they love to do. And um, and I think the queen saw a little bit of that, that, that body language. When he did eventually go over there to Windsor Castle to demonstrate the first demonstration of join up, what he later co- coined join up. He didn't have a name for it when we were growing up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it was how he trained horses. And it was a solid wall round pin that um, you didn't, you know, trainers didn't show show many of their tricks back in the day. They didn't share a lot of knowledge. It was their competition that they'd be sharing it with because everybody was a professional trainer. People don't remember maybe now if you're younger, you might not remember that um, you couldn't train your horse. You were not supposed to tell a trainer how he was to train a horse. You know, that's what you paid them for. That would be sort of crazy, actually, to think that you would be interfering with a professional. Why would you pay them then? Um, We've taken a lot of that back now. You know, a lot of us have an opinion 
about how we'd like our horses treated or not treated. And we can shop around for trainers that fit our our needs, you know, for the horse, whether it just be kinder, kinder and gentler, um, more effective, whatever you're looking for, you actually have a little bit more say in it these days than you did in the 90s. So anyway, um, not to get off on a tangent on that, but I think I think legacy strategist was because I didn't know how to call myself anything else because I wanted to perpetuate this legacy of nonviolent training. And the only thing I could do when I went into a boardroom, it didn't make sense to say I was, uh, I don't know, executive director or, um, you know, CEO. Chief operating officer, (laughs) you know. Yeah, Yeah, you know, that didn't mean anything to people. But when I said, I want to continue on what he started off to show the world and share about, and he wants those seeds planted out there, the only thing I could come up with for my little card at Vista print was legacy strategist. That really gives it a very heartfelt, a heartfelt meaning to it when you say legacy strategist, because it's from your heart that you want to keep this legacy of what Monty Roberts. I mean, when I think Monty Roberts, that's exactly what I think of is a person who is a horse in a, a person in a horse, a horse in a person's body or somebody who can Dr. Doolittle type of person. That's nice. This, you know, does that make you sense? You appreciate that. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it, it, we always say he's more horse than, than human sometimes because he just, that's where his brain works. Yeah. So this past year, I mean, you usually, you travel around, I'm guessing, but this last year, like everybody, it must have been a completely different landscape for you uh what what how did you do things differently this year than you did before yeah like everybody has a different story i'm sure right how you figure this all out well i guess one thing that might be interesting for people is that dad was in australia for all of january and february of 2020 so he got back here just in time to do our first Horses and Healing, which is our program, a three-day program for veterans and first responders. And um, we did that weekend. And then the very next day was lockdown here in California, March 8th, I want to say, or something like that. And, uh, and, and he thought, well, I'll be back in Australia in a month, you know, but you know, that didn't happen. Right. And we had already right. at that point established our third annual, the movement was all set up and I can talk a little bit about what the movement is, but it's an event here we have in central California in Solvang, California, um, where we share uh, with different presenters and different horses. We share the qualities of horses that are changing and making and improving human lives. And so that event was really important to us and our featured speaker with Jad this year, this 2020 was going to be Temple Grandin. Okay. So I do have a bit of a video. Can, do you want me to show that? Would you like to talk, talk over, do a little bit of talk and I can uh, stop it. If you want me to, if you would like for me to stop and show different things or so the first kind of little bit, it's the trailer for the, the, um, the movement the movement and the first thing is the horse uh getting off the trailer uh this is dr siemens on my left of my screen and monty 
um, almost losing it right there. <laughs> with I was wondering, did he have gloves on? I don't think so. <laughs> he has nice flat lines, which is good. Um, and they're cushioned. But this horse, this was proving, if you want to, yeah, if you want me to give a little description, yeah. Dr. Siemens is a, a, veter a vet, a veterinarian from Idaho, and he's brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. He comes across as a good old boy, but he's brilliant with um, equine behaviors as well as medicine. And so he's always trying to figure out how to help a horse, you know, get past whatever medical issue he has. And I asked him to speak on equine vision and how different it is from us. And he did a great presentation with how long it takes. It takes five minutes, Laura, for a horse's eyes to go from light into dark. So people who go into an indoor arena and often wonder why the first jump is knocked down, you know, <laughs> or just other issues of acting up, going into an arena or even going out. But it's the end of the arena that everybody's right. concerned about and getting your score knocked down. And um, it's because we we haven't necessarily allowed our horse enough time. Time, I I often well I think I I remember studying it. I thought I heard four times. It takes four times as long for the horse's pupils to yeah. react to the light than it does for a human. So five minutes. That sounds. Interesting. I mean, and a lot of people, they don't. And same thing when they come from a, a dark stable right. out into the sunlight. And, I, you know, I remember having a horse that would, as soon as he stepped out, he would stand and he would wander. And I couldn't figure out why he would just sure. plant himself coming out of the stable. And then I thought, oh, well, maybe it's because he can't see anything because his irises haven't shut down yet. But, yeah. And loading in a trailer. So that was our demonstration right there in the yard. This is live streaming on Horse and Country TV. We were really, that was the pivot, right? Is because it was June of 2020 and nobody could come. So we were able to, we had planned to have Horse and Country stream stream uh, just like we're doing right now, stream it anyway. Um, but we said, gosh, let's have the presenters get there that can. Now this Cremello stallion we did a demonstration of teaching him to come and come to the mounting block and obviously he was you know had a mind of his own um <laughs> he's doing what he wants to do in the round pin and it was brilliant because in a very short time there's temple grandin in a very short time we taught him right in front of a live audience dad dad is brave that way he does not work with a net you know <laughs> as they say and um we he he's done it in front of live audiences, probably over 10,000 horses now around the world. So for him, um, doesn't bother him at all. You know, me, I have to worry a little bit about staying on time and doing all those things. But um, he just one after another, we would bring a horse in and start to work with them. That um, that particular horse, you can see that dad had a stool over there on the side because he had just been diagnosed with an autoimmune during COVID, by the way. Um, so he just had to sit down every once in a while. We don't normally have a, a stool in, a stool? in the rapid, but this, this was a transition horse. So this horse was, you know, been to the racetrack and everything. And, and so, and this is Temple. So uh, Ms. Grandin. Yes. So what wh wh this is her there? presentation. She, was she commenting live on this horse or? Yes. That screen was seen not only picture in a picture like you're seeing it yeah. now. It was on a huge television 
on the side of the round pen that we had propped up. And she was actually watching the horse while dad was talking about what the horse was doing. And they were talking about um, equine behavior, watching the movement of a horse, his energy coming up, his energy going down, eyes on eyes, shoulders square means go away, eyes averted, um, body on a 45 degree angle, invited the horse back in. You'll hear elements of join up. Join up is just a set of circumstances whereby you're asking the horse to trust you and eventually come to you as he discovered in the herd Uh, a horse that was put out of the herd would use their body, the body language, the matriarch would send away or invite back in. We can replicate that with our bodies enough as a predator that the horse can understand what you're doing. So these two were coming up with these brilliant things in exchange. And it was really, and there she is in her kitchen, you know, so pretty cool, (laughs) pretty cool of Temple to, to, to be, um, you know, um, kind enough to join us that way. So we had her for an afternoon and we had Dr. Siemens. We had several different, we had a lady from Germany who was our head instructor who couldn't get back here. We had a lady in England who did a whole uh, segment on chiropractic work. So we painted Tucker, the Mustang. Yeah, she's she's coming up. Tucker's coming up here. Oh, perfect. There's just a little clip. Oh, that's shy boy. That he is 28 this year, Laura. There is Tucker with his full-on skeleton, both sides. And yeah, and this is our instructor in England, who is also a chiropractor, and she does some pretty advanced work. So we watched him move in there, and she talked about, you know, just a little tucking up the tummy to lift that spine. We talked about kissing spine, and yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. You know, I mean, that everybody was very tired of Zoom by this time, you know, now. So we didn't yeah. want to do it again. Yeah. But in a pinch, I could really see conferences expanded using this format where dad could talk to Temple and he could talk to Jamie and Dr. Siemens is there piping in. When Temple says something, Dr. Siemens could say, hey, what about I saw the horse do X, Y, Z. And a round pin provides that perfect environment where everybody gets to see. It's like theater in the round, right, where you can observe different things. And you have to have a good cameraman, camera person. Couple we do have a picture of the camera person here later on. So this is a reigning rider. I that guessing. is Jamie Jennings, who is an inventor. So ah. <laughs> she was getting on dad's horse. That's chrome, oh, nice cool. chrome, to get a little um, thrill herself to do a little spin on him. So Yeah, there's a, a picture here of the camera person. Okay, so this is a breathing exercise. Yes, those are all Mustangs. And Ashley was doing a breathing exercise while Jamie Jennings was back in solving. So Ashley is in Florida and Jamie is breathing on Tucker. That's, that's our Tucker again um, to to teach everybody yoga on horseback and breathing exercise on horseback. And it was just beautifully done. So we had her piping in from Florida. He looks pretty relaxed. He's pretty chill. Yeah. So this is the, I just wanted to, this is the little Cremella stallion, I think, and standing at the mounting block. Correct. That's exactly right. As a a proper gentleman too. And you saw the, all the freelancing he was doing before that. Yeah. And there's a join up. So. Okay. This is the camera person. 
That's shy boy. That's shy boy staring at himself on camera because he was looking up at Temple and then the camera oh, so, be on him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he was either I looking at Temple or great. himself. Oh like, yes, that's maybe at himself. You can see the the. Uh, you see Temple's the, yeah a picture up a here picture there. Yes, exactly. Very good with the pointer. Yeah, so that you can see the round pin and yeah, yeah, a few people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Excellent. So this is uh, called join up. Is there, are, are there any spots left? Are they, are they full? Are they getting full? Thank you. We have eight spots left this year because we kept it pretty high end intimate. So, and a lot of people rolled their tickets over. Thank you for that. It, yeah. They go to the movement 2021.com. They can okay. learn more information about that. And I didn't mean to make it a commercial. I just get excited yeah. about the, the advancement in technology, allowing horsemen to um, learn more from corners of the world, the people that communicate things so well in their their areas of life. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. That's, it sounds wonderful. It's, it, it's well from, I was thinking it would be absolutely amazing to be able to go in person, but still there's so much information there that uh, still you can, you can yeah. learn about. We put it up on Vimeo. So people for very, uh, just a few dollars, they can go there and, and, see it again so yes this is the trailer and uh yeah that's right exactly so with respect to branding Mm -hmm. what's your advice on branding and growing a brand and is there one specific thing that you that you learned along the way that you could share about growing your business brand if there's people there's probably people here wanting to know as well as secrets for join up and being a friend with your horse but what What's a simple branding thing that people could do with their business? Yeah, I think probably the mistake that um, we we all make a little bit in the beginning is getting excited about all the things you can do with a brand as opposed to getting really simple and getting your brand statement. Even if you want to call it a mission statement, you can. But, you know, most true to yourself and then stick stick to that. And it emanates throughout the brand then when you've got that really, really right. It's just like a good nonprofit or uh, or a good uh, corporate business. You know, if they really are true to their message, the rest of the stuff falls into place. For us, it dad had always said violence is never the answer. And, you know, when you start there and you draw a line in it, there's no excuses then. You know, you that is your brand. If you were if you scribble outside those lines, you can say, well, there's exceptions when, you know, no, then you're not true to your brand. Um, the, the expanded statement that dad always said is um, that violence is never the answer. No one of us was born with the right to say you must or I'll hurt you to any other being human or animal. And so that's a pretty broad, you know, draw a line in the sand, Right. Mm-hmm. The, uh, but the mm-hmm. but his favorite thing I think to say these days, and this is where I like to brand him too, is that the good trainer can get a horse to do almost anything, and we all know the good trainers. But the great trainer can cause the horse to want to do it, and so that causing is another one of those words that people need to think about. So get your brand really, really right. That not not. Not the good trainer can make a horse do anything, but the great trainer can get him to do it. No, it's cause because cause means that you've got a partnership. 
And everybody knows that you strive for a partnership where your horse wants to do what you have him doing. He's having fun doing it. And if he's not, maybe we put him in the wrong vocation. Maybe he needs to go jump over something instead of run and turn. (laughs) Spin or whatever. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So So I think being true to that. Uh, getting back to the, the to the movement, yeah. uh, I'm not sure that we touched on the dates. What are the dates? Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, it's June 18, 19, and 20. So okay. it's coming right up in about three weeks um, as we speak right now. Uh, this being, what are we, June 1 today? June 1. Yes. So it's June 18, 19. And that's, it is a uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And here's the bad news for fathers. It's Father's Day on Sunday. <laughs> so warning on that one. But you know what? There might be a lot of fathers who say, wow, it would be really peaceful and nice if my wife <laughs> went to that thing. <laughs> and she's been. Well, maybe they want to go. Exactly. Exactly. Maybe right? we get a few Why more not? men in this business, right? That, you know, this, Right. That'd be great. Thanks to Why you. not? Yeah. The, the other thing was funny about our brand just just popped into my head too is dad is 100% colorblind. He's just really 100% colorblind. And growing up, that was a pretty cool thing for him um, because he never had to worry about, you know, matchy matchy. My, my grandmother did all that for him and he always wore the same clothes pretty much. And it turned out pretty well for, for filming and everything. Cause you always look like you're, you know, it's the same day, right? Cause you're in the same clothes. Um, but we, when we got to saying what, what are, what is, what's the one thing, you know, branding is all about picking out on a shelf that crest toothpaste, because you recognize crest is always in same, some sort of um, the right colors, the right font, the right everything. Right. Yeah. yeah. So be really true for those people who are really trying to brand themselves um, don't get goofy with your font and your colors, you know, go find, do the work to do your PMS and, you know, colors and, and all that too. And it sounds fancy dancy, but it, it actually, it's a, it's a mental thing for people to, to grab hold of that feeling when, when you've got your brand message really down, then you want to also get that recognition really down too, so that people go, yeah, that's, that, I, I recognize like that. that. I recognize mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I recognize that. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Uh, is there anything you would have done differently? Hmm. I think I would have gone to digital books faster. Okay. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that before, but um, in the early 2000s, you know, we we really wanted to spread the message. You know, we want people. We wanted people to learn, and we wanted them to learn that it's actually simpler then sometimes the industry likes to make things um, and just get really simple, like draw a line in the sand at violence. And that means no yelling. That means no, we don't even like to people slap the horse a lot and it drives up the adrenaline. If you put, if you put markers on a horse, you'll find that it drives adrenaline. They'll get used to us. Um, They're very generous that way, but we don't even like that. So to get that knowledge out there, we wrote our own textbook and, and that's how I, it was one of the first big projects I did for dad. We published, self-published in 2002. And I started to write all the contracts for all the other books out there so that we own the digital. And it was really before people were owning digital, but, mm-hmm. but they were self-publishing at that point. So you knew it was coming, right? Digital was going to happen. So there was that. And, and so if I'd done it differently, I would have, 
I would have grabbed up all the digital at that point um, so that you can control it because people will change, you know, German translations, they'll change your poem. They'll change it to mean different things, you know? So again, put your arms around it. It doesn't mean you have to patent everything or uh, you'll copyright it because that's easy. You just copyright it. But, but really put your arms around what you what you are true to, and then protect it. And anything you can do to protect it, um, do that. And digital is, is easy enough to do these days. Listen up, horse owners. If your horses can't get out on green grass for their daily dose of omegas, Purina's got you covered. The Purina team of PhD equine nutritionists have two new products that are rich in omega-3 fatty acids, and they taste better than many sources. Looking at you, fish oil. Try the new Purina Omega Match Timothy-based ration balancer or ahi flower oil supplement and see for yourself why these are among some of the best omegas that nature offers. It can take science and love together, each pulling their weight to help your horses live their best lives. Put our research to the test at PurinaMills.com forward slash Omega Match. And now we're going to move on to our next segment, the Retired Racehorse Project, the Retraining Goals segment, Spotlighting Retired Racehorses. And this segment is sponsored by the Retired Racehorse Project. I want to tell you a little story about what happened to me this year. Uh, well, my husband and I, we were in New Zealand last year, actually, for the wow. winter. The winter's here kind of crazy. So we uh, bicycling, we cycled from the northern tip of New Zealand to the southern tip of New Zealand. And when we came, then we we finished in March and we came back. And it's like as soon as we came back, boom, the COVID doors slammed shut, nobody allowed to go anywhere. So we kind of wanted to get home before they closed the borders. But in Ontario, where I was living, there's a racetrack called Woodbine Racetrack. And because of the government's restrictions and the stay-at-home orders, their racetrack was virtually closed. I don't know the specifics or the details of it, but there was a lot of thoroughbred racehorses for sale. And so, you know, you hear people about getting COVID puppies and COVID kittens. Well, I hate to say it. I got a COVID horse. <laughs> and uh, I just wanted to share my COVID horse. The, and, be, and he was a great, great guy. And his 16-hand dark bay, his name is Uncle Grumpy. And he was anything but grumpy. He was black. He was gorgeous. But when he first came, he was a handful full of beans, scrape them off the ceiling. So my friend and I, Patrick, and who was going to be with us tonight, but couldn't because his mare was falling out. He helped me with him because I'm old and he's not old. (laughs) And uh, we hacked him out. We very quietly exposed him to what we thought were different things, but maybe he'd seen them. We don't know because we didn't get too much of a history, but he had raced like the month previous and uh, hacked him out, just did some light walking, 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 did a few little fun things to teach him to pick his feet up in a different way than maybe what he was used to. And of course we just worked on the ground and did lots of just, it's okay 
you're going to be okay and walking and that type of thing. And it was a lot of fun. And so after a, about two months, um, a woman, an adult woman, one of those middle-aged women that we were talking about, <laughs> who had a 26-year-old horse that she wanted to retire and she wanted a replacement horse. So she came, she tried him out, she was loving him, and so I sold him. And it was great. Do you do a lot of work with uh, thoroughbreds as well? We do. Yes. No, so I think that... Um, the retired racehorse project is just one of the brilliant ones. They've been around and um, I, I, I love their staff. I love what they're doing. I love their message. So good. I'm, I'm glad to, you know, and you'll have to have Patrick back when he's not falling out, (laughs) but, but um, yes, what we do. So dad, most of my growing up was involved in training the racehorse. Dad's involvement was in training the racehorses, not me. He was. Um, he started all the racehorses here as um, yearlings and then going into their second year, right? So he'd buy them as yearlings, grow them up a little bit, and then start uh, their training. And that was, he and my, my mom is topped the sales here in California for 18, 20 years. And it was, I don't know if they'll break the record because they set, they shut the sales down uh, eventually at Hollywood Park, you know, when that went away. And anyway, um, they had a really standing reputation of being able to startle these babies. So that's what really grew out of of our growing up is we, we showed Western and English and anything I could get high point on, I'd show it. But, but, um, but the thoroughbreds is how our family was fed really. So we have a lot of connection in the thoroughbred industry. And it made sense that uh, when we, what, what we were doing here at the school, the Monty Roberts International Learning Center is the school where we started teaching the join up and getting instructors certified. And, and that was the interest when he went on tour. But what we ended up doing was calling up a lot of these rescues and places because funny enough, ch- people had championship horses, didn't want us experimenting and learning on their horses. You know, <laughs> They wouldn't let us play with their horses in order to teach join up. So we went to the rescues and said, you know, can we work with some of these horses that are healthy and put some training on them and then give them back and help you find them to be more adoptable? And they said, Yahoo. So we did about 25 a year or so for years, Laura. I mean, like it took I'm slow on the uptake. We did this for years without thinking we're actually kind of doing that. You know, we're, we're actually transitioning horses to new vocations but we're not the adoption partner. So this wonderful initiative happened, a really cool group of people, Christy Counts, Christy Cappert. um, They put this thing called the Right Horse Initiative together. And they said, golly, you know, um, used to be that you always went to a breeder to get a dog, you know, and nobody wants to say that anymore. They all want to say, oh, no, this is my rescue dog, right? Why can't we do that for horses the way people have done that for dogs? And I thought, that is brilliant. So what they were really doing, though, because horses are different than dogs, you're not going to put them in the living room. So there was a network that needed to be set up, right? You really needed to have a network so that that Rainer that some 12 year old kid needs in Florida because he's he's you know ready for his next level. And back in California, there's a horse that is ready to retire at 12 or something. You know, he's still got life ahead of him and can be a good teacher. 
but he's not mm-hmm. going to be going and blowing with a professional anymore. Why can't you get those two together? You know, and that made perfect sense to me too. And I'm interviewing me for, we had that podcast called Horsemanship Radio that you introduced. Thank you. And um, so I, I wanted to interview him just to find out what they did. You know, isn't that a great way to, to learn something is to interview the person and they'll come on your podcast and then you can learn lots of things. And, um, and I learned that if we could, if we could do it for 25 horses a year, what if we did it year round and we could maybe get a hundred horses done a year. And when I went to them with, how do I do that? They said, jeepers, nobody's, I mean, very few are doing a hundred horses a year. And I said, given our circumstances, I think we could, you know? And so we worked on it with them for a couple of years, getting our ducks in a row and launched it in 2020 in October on live streaming TV, (laughs) horse and country again. And, um, you know, for us, it was what we were always doing, but we never were purposeful about rescuing OTTBs necessarily. We would hear about these horses coming off the track. Uh, You know, a trainer would say, well, I'm either going to send them to Arkansas And you know what that means? They're going to race to get a few more dollars out of them. And then who knows? We know, but we don't want to talk about it. But or we could maybe pivot on that vocation of theirs. All right. I want to share another horse that I so I after I sold this one, I I felt like there was something missing in my life. So I I bought another one. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you must right be. so this is this is nashville knight and he is um in this one he raced this was one of his final races in 2018 uh, i just want to show this so we're going to watch this this is one of his final races he's number three so he's right here in front and this is what I never, I didn't see this when, uh, before I bought him, I did, I just kind of did a search on the internet to see if I could see a race that he did. Cause he raced a lot, like around 50 races. He was an eight year old when he stopped racing. Wow. Yeah. So he's like a, a war horse of the racing world. And yeah. And you know, he came Look off the him. track. That was him. He won. And that, that's, and he, he was awesome horse. So he landed at the track and like, he was just, he was ready to go. He was done racing. He didn't really want to race anymore. He could, if you looked at his records, he was good. And then the next year he was really good. And then, then, you know, the placings finally got slower and slower and slower. So he was, he was sold off the racetrack in 2018 and then he had a year off where his got his nutrition back on track and his feet back on track and his everything kind of learned how to be a horse. Cause a lot of times these horses, they don't know how to be a horse, do they? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm so glad you rescued him by the way. When you, when you, when you talk about, uh, your father going out and watching the Mustangs and learning their language. Well, when you buy one of these guys and put them out with your herd, they have no idea what ears backs means. They have no idea of any of that. So he got, went to the school of hard knocks where he would come in and every day there'd be a bite or a kick mark, you know, the, and, and I think, I don't think that's being cruel, but it teaches them 
how to be a horse, really, and the horse language. Exactly. And we really just kind of took it easy with them and walked and taught them it was okay. And, you know, we didn't need to be worried about being cinched up really tightly, really. So we just kind of took our time, walked, walked over the pole so that he learned how to pick his feet up this way instead of always pushing forward and trying to teach him to carry himself, right? So if you look at this again, and this is him here racing, right? Right. This is Nashville night. And the start, I mean, that's all, that's all he really knew how to do. Okay. So now I want to show you him now and see if I can just get this off here. So this is May of this year. After two months, let's say, I don't exactly know this, is, but this is May. So we're June. This was last month. And I sold him just up there. So there he is trotting. Look at that nice top just line. Like, let's just steady. And that's really what we focused on, just being steady and quiet and nice and just being Beautiful. a quiet horse. So then I sold this guy to a 12, 13-year-old who wanted to start riding, who wanted to start Perfect. doing some eventing. Perfect. And, yeah, so it's just they can do they, they, they can do anything, I really think. And I think that's, for me, thoroughbreds are it. They're smart. They're sensitive. They're great creatures. They're athletic. They're lovely animals. Yeah. And so, look at that well, poor horse, too. I mean, that's how much did they produce for an owner? That was, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, yeah, they, they deserve. I mean, gosh, you know, a lot of people go like, wow, he made it all the way to eight. Now think about that. Eight is a long time at the racetrack. It's true. Yeah. But an eight-year-old quarter horse, I mean, he's he's not even to the prime yet, no, you know? Exactly. You've got a lot of life left in them. I'm I'm really proud that you're doing that. And and it's not just the OTTBs. I mean, if we can get in the pipeline, we have Mustangs here in the program. We've had saddlebreds, we've had appendix paints, you know, we've we've had a lot of different combinations. Um, it's the adoption partners we're working with. And the retraining goals are super simple. The first are the six imperatives. Now, you're going to laugh a little bit at this, but the six imperatives are go forward. Okay. Go left. Go right. Back up. Stand still. Turn around. You know, turn all the way around. Yeah. I mean, a lot, do you know how many thoroughbreds can do all that? When they come right off the track? No. Week? None. <laughs> much none. So it's funny you say stand still. And uh, actually, when you when you talked about the, that Carmela Stallion about not standing at the at the mounting block, yeah, we talked about being an older person. I'm an older person with bad knees. So getting a thoroughbred to stand at the mounting block was one thing that we really had to work on. And it, you know, took me a week. Maybe I'm not Monty Roberts who can get it done in, you know. A week is fast. It's yeah. good. Oh, good. It's all good. But a week and a handful of treats in my pocket. But yeah, it, okay. it works. You know, it works for me. Yeah. Yeah. So well, Joanne you know, here says, what a blessing for him. Yes. Thank you so much, exactly. Joanne. She's right. She's right. That horse now has another life and it'll be a happy life. And that's, 
that's why we love this transition horse program. And we love um, networking with these other people because it gets horses in the right, not just languishing. I mean, sanctuary is wonderful if people are willing to pay for their horse for the rest of their lives, but not too many owners are the unfortunate truth of it, but also, you know, finding the right vocation too. So putting them through a training program, that's what we strive to be, is that program that can identify their strengths and their weaknesses and their personalities. It's exactly what you're talking about. We we have these two grays out here in the front pasture who are about the same age. They're both five and off the track thoroughbreds. They both have done their time and they play lip tag all day long. And it's like they never knew how to play lip tag before, you know, and it's really cute. And and, and then we come got in with the big marks on the yes. side of their heads, right? Yeah. They do. Yeah. But you know, it's it's nothing harmful. And it's funny you should mention not knowing how to be a horse. We did our horse sense and healing this last weekend for the veterans and first responders. And we had just received last week, at the end of the week, two big bays off the racetrack, surprise, surprise, um, both about 16 hands. They look like a little pair, you know, and we put them in the sand paddock. And then we had the other uh, three geldings out in the pasture. They're all geldings, of course. And but they had been living in the pasture together for a while, a month or so. And this was the releasing of, you know, so they were over the fence out of the sand paddock for a couple of days. And we said to the to the participants in the, do you want to see horses, you know, kind of meeting each other for the, not just over the fence, but release them into the pasture. And everybody said, yes, of course, that sounds exciting. Well, it's a mess, actually. <laughs> it's kind of a mess because they, when we let At them At least they were and, geldings and not mares. Oh, well, that's true. I, that would have been a different story. Um, <laughs> we probably wouldn't have shown that. Kicking, yeah. <laughs> But they had been over the fence for two days. So we figured they were going to be okay with each other and their geldings. You're right. So we opened up the sand paddock and and released the two and shushed them out, of course, because they weren't sure what to do. So shushed them out. And the first thing they did was run across the grass. Now, they, you know, most of the time they're they're walking on DG, maybe, you know, they're, just, they're, they're not going to be in deep anything that has, you know, unless it's a racetrack. But I mean, it's not unlevel with grass and slick. Both of them fell down at one point or another in the first 10 minutes, you know, because they'd probably never even run out yeah. of grass since they were a yearling. You know, yeah. it, it is it's tough to see at first, but it's actually so gratifying, Laura, to see these horses just yeah. get to be horses. So I'm yeah. so happy that you're doing that for people. And I hope that people will be inspired to even adopt one and, or foster one. If you feel like you can't adopt it, you can foster too and help a, a rescue, you know, who's trying to get that horse fed and, and used to just a life being a horse again. Being a horse and, and not yeah. just human, but actually yeah. be out with the herd. So, yeah, so that's yeah. Uh, what, that's exactly what we do was put them over the uh, over a fence for a couple of days and then put them out with the herd and man, they, they learn really quickly what ears back means and, yeah. and how not to go sniffing up behind the rear end of another one. But yeah, Once exactly. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. 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 Yeah, we haven't had any of them hurt or anything because we do take our time to do it. So you right. have to know what you're doing a little bit. Exactly. On that but, but it was exciting. So Yeah. So we're going to move on to our final segment here, Debbie, if that's okay by you. Please. The grab bag of questions. Are you ready for a grab bag of questions? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Uh, okay. So what is your favorite grooming tool product right now? Oh, 
complete slam dunk. It's my hands on gloves. That is, um, they're, they're an all in one. You put the glove on and they've got these little nubbies on them. You know, and, oh, when I was writing this question, I said, okay, I'm going to answer this question and mine's going to be my grooming glove. Ah, <laughs> there you go. But I got mine at the dollar store. It's mesh on one side and it's got the little nubbies on this side. It's for grooming dogs. But ah, I love it. Dogs with these too. So it's same, same idea. I mean, we do the Mustangs in the shoots, you know, because they're so afraid to have human hands on them. Right. And okay. so anything that feels great instead of scary and we'll go right to the wither. That's their sweet spot. You know, that's where the mama would rub them when there are little foals and everything. So there's some memory there, but it also feels good. And so human hands, actually, they pretty soon were employed as human scratchers. Right. <laughs> they, they, they like to see it. So we have to do space too. But yeah, my hands on gloves, Jay Michelson, they're Canadian. Uh, Jay Perfect. is Canadian. Yeah. And uh, they just figured out how to make these things last too. They're, they're my favorite. Jay Michelson. I'm writing that down. Great guy. Yeah. He and his wife, they'd been in animal products for a long time, but they, um, they just went like, dang, there isn't a really good glove out there. You know, and I love when things are invented out of necessity like that. Like they just, all the other ones would fall apart or the nubbies would fall off. And so, yeah. Randy says, this has been fun. Thank you for sharing Debbie with the world. Okay. Yes, you're welcome, Randy. Thank you. You're both awesome. Thank you very much, Randy. Thanks, okay, Randy. question number two. What do you keep in your pocket when you are riding or at an event? Okay, so I'm not a treat feeder. Um, some people might be surprised at that. I, I think food from the human body is, uh, I don't feel like I'm responsible as a, an influencer, um, to, to say that because some people can be safe doing that and some people can't. So it creates nibblers. And in, um, in my demographic, you know, um, we want to <laughs> overtreat, don't we? We're like, yep. oh, you I know, treat. they make I'm such cool little cookies. Yeah, yeah, see. Um, so what I do though, I do like to feed, like going back to our warm up and our stretches, I like to stretch out a horse a little bit with, um, but what, so how do I do that without treating? I do apples and dad taught me this apples on a stick, apple wedges on a stick, you okay. know, grab something and, um, and, you know, put it between their front legs forward facing, you know, so the horse reaches okay. down there and grabs it with his mouth, do the left, do the right. So and rather not- than holding it yourself, you put it on a stick. You should make a product for that. Or does Monty Roberts do that? No, no, no. Just get a stick and some apples. You'll be fine. Oh, there we got Monty's horse treat stick trick. Monty's Ah. horse treat trick. (laughs) That's clever, Say that 10 times really fast. Monty's horse treat trick. That's right. I think Natalie put Uh, that up there. Yes, she did. Okay. So uh, do you have any superstitions at shows? Oh, wait a minute. Before we get to that, my... Uh, keep in my pocket. I keep oh, yeah. what do you do? carrots in my pocket, probably for the same reason you do. I cut them in lengthways slivers so that I can give it to the horse yeah. uh, without, I mean, they say, yes, put it on a flat hand, but I do it this so I can get the horse to turn left and turn right and go down like the okay. way you say. Um, but Sometimes I forget I have carrot sticks in my pocket. And then when I go to put my coat on and I put my hands in the pocket, it feels like dried up 
I don't know, like <laughs> something in my pockets. Or you go to the store and you're looking for money and you bring out yeah. your hand and there's these wizened carrots. Anyway, yeah, I keep you're carrots. You're a horse girl. You're yeah. a horse girl. Yeah. yeah. If there is an alfalfa in your pocket somewhere, then yeah. You're yeah, exactly. Uh, what's the best training trick you've recently learned from your you recently learned or that your dad shares. I think one of them you just kind of shared was the yeah, treat. Yeah. Yeah. That's an old one. That's an old one. You know, I mean, I guess this is where I, a recent training trick. Um, we had a horse that was really hard to catch and he was um, dangerous, you know, kind of even in a sand, even in a 12 by 12 stall. <laughs> Pretty oh. darn dangerous. Yeah. I would wheel kick, you know, do all those p- ears pinned back really. Yeah. Really dangerous. And, um, he taught, I didn't want to leave the halter on, you know, a lot of people will leave the halter so you can grab it, you know, but, um, but the trick we used was to have him, we started with the hands on gloves and, you know, and, and would go in there and then walk away, go in there and walk away. And so that it started, he'd start to lean in, right. He'd start to like, mm, I kind of like that. You know, I, I don't have to be a booger the whole time, you know, <laughs> and I'll start to cooperate with you. And then what we do is I had a little bucket of grain in the corner, just a nibble. I mean, hardly anything that he, you know, he's just stealing a little grain, just stealing a little grain, you know, and who knows who put it there? I don't know. And, and it was down there. And so it was a combination of that good feeling. And, a, and so when I came in there, there was, you know, not me, not attached to it. There's that little bit of steel of a grain and a, and a nice little rub. And I'd go in there six times a day, you know, and, and then leave. No work was involved in this or anything. And pretty soon, like uh, open the, he's there, you know, <laughs> he's ready. He's Here ready to go. I'll be, no, I'll be, I'll be caught now. Yeah. I like you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it was, it no was pressure. Tragedy. I don't know what his his history was coming to us, you know, of what was happening before that made him grumpy like that. And I'm not even going to speculate. I don't know. Um, But I know that he wasn't happy with people coming into his stall. So um, now he likes people coming into his stall. Yeah, he's happy. So for me, what's the best training trick I've recently learned was uh, apple on a stick. I just learned that today. So. Uh, when you go to shows or events, do you do anything superstitious at shows? Do you wear the same socks? Do you wear the same clothing? Do you have any superstitions? I really don't. I, I'm not a very, you, you know, I, I think probably it's been whacked out of me because um, I feel, I feel like people criticized us so much in the nineties and the, you know, the early two thousands for being ooey horse whisperer, you know, and all this stuff like dad was a guru status. And, and if it was a guru status, now remember me, I'm the legacy strategist. If it's a guru status, it dies with him. I mean, nobody else can do it. And frankly, that's why we started the online university because dad had, I mean, who else has worked with horses? Didn't get in the business till he was three, you know? So, so he had a lot of years on everybody at that point. And he had innovated all through every decade of his life. He innovated in one way or another quite dramatically. And so I thought, dang, I gotta, I've got to really film everything that he does. And I went to him first. It was pretty awkward internet at first, but I went to him first and I said, you know, why do you do this right here? I'm watching this video of you doing this and you stood in front of the horse this time, but this time you didn't. He said, no, no, I I don't really do that. And I go like, look at the 
footage. You, you actually do do that. And I'm sure there's a reason your muscle memory must tell you to do that. And he goes, yeah, you're right. I got to go figure that out. And he started to study some of these, some of this footage. And um, then, you know what he did? He went to the deer and the deer, we have deer here on the ranch and there he's been doing a, a program for 40 years with a family of deer here. Um, and they're a hundred times flightier than a horse. And he figured if he can do some things with the deer, the horses would be easy. And he learned so much from the deer, um, where to put his eyes, how quickly to move his eyes, how to move like you're in heavy oil more gracefully around a horse, especially one that's either one been abused or one that's wild. And there's nothing like, having to perfect it on something that's a hundred times flightier than a horse and then taking it to your horses. Um, and that's, that was a huge education for me to watch him do that later in life because I was old by then. <laughs> I was in college really by the time he started this program. And, okay. Uh, so th that's not really any superstition. So you don't have any superstition. Well, things that my, you do. Point, my point is we stay in science. <laughs> Right. We, okay. we stay in science. And if it can't be proven, then I, then, I, I just don't go there. I'm sorry. So you I'm don't wear the same color socks or wear socks the same or, color gloves or. I, know, I don't. I don't even think about whatever. it anymore, Laura. Turn I, probably, I might, have, might have done that when I was, you know, 15 or 20, but I don't even remember it anymore because <laughs> I've been so knocked on the head with Pete by critics, you know, of people uh, who say, yes, okay. You, yes, you I need do to know. prove it scientifically. Right. Now, here's a really great one. Do you have a special horse? And if you could take that horse for coffee, what would you ask them or tell them? What would I ask them or tell them? Um, you know, Natalie, who's helping us here in the, in the background. Hi, Natalie. Uh, loves me to tell the goat story. And I think that is my special it's sort of my hard horse a little bit, okay. not really, but it, my first experience like that, you know, and my, and the reason it is because her mother died um, shortly after childbirth, after foaling. <laughs> and um, the, the dad said, do you want to keep this little foal? Um, I, I can go find a, a nurse mare for her, I think, but I'm not sure. Or I don't know if she's going to make it. And uh, he said, what we could do is get you a goat. And I'll build a rack for you and you can put the goat up in the rack. And um, little did I know how hard that was going to be because the goat. Put the you goat know, in the rack for what? So the what do you mean? foal would nurse the goat. Oh, okay. So you had raised the goat up so the foal could nurse from the goat. Okay. Exactly. And two things right. happen. One, she drinks more milk as she gets bigger. And two, she gets bigger. So the rack had to be rebuilt and I had to get second goat. And uh, it took me a long time to eat goat cheese or even smell a goat <laughs> after that because I was in the fourth grade at that point, you know, so I'm pretty little. And um, and I think if I took her to coffee today, it would be so cool to talk about those old times, you know. And um, I don't know what I'd ask her, but I'd ask her probably how much she liked goats, too. <laughs> she was pretty frustrated with those goats, too, I think. I want to thank you so much for joining me today and our first live broadcast from Stream Horse TV, the Stable Social Live. Thank you. Our guest today was Debbie Roberts-Blokes. And thank you so much, Debbie. Really appreciate it. And I hope to see you again. 
And next week, our guest will be Elizabeth Letts, New York Times bestselling author of The Perfect Horse and the $80 Champion. And she will be discussing her new book, The Ride of Her Life. And please don't forget to follow us, uh, follow Stream Horse TV on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And subscribe for free at thestreamhorse.tv for more information on what we have going on in our community of horse enthusiasts. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And we'll see you all next week. Bye now. Thank you, Laura. Welcome back, Audrey Griffin. Thank you for agreeing to come back and sharing with our listeners um, a favorite tip of yours. I don't even know what it is, so let us know. Okay. Well, when you're in a group riding, or even if it's just two or three or four of you, if somebody has to get off their horse for some reason, it's really important that you stay with them until they get back on because sometimes if you keep riding, their horse gets a little... um, anxious and uh, bad things might happen. And also, when you approach a gate and the gate is shut, you go through the gate, but make sure that you close that gate after you're on the other side. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That sounds like something you've learned the hard way. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, we all learn things the hard way, but, you know, it just comes down to basic manners. It's really important to have good manners all the time, even on your horse. Yeah, both for for the people and the animals, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know something? Mm -hmm. You make friends if sometimes you volunteer as the person on the tall horse to get off and open and close that gate. (laughs) (laughs) Don't don't always make the guy on the short horse do it. Yeah. Well, you know, and there's some girls, there's some people that just always have to be up front and open up the gates. And you know something? I just love it. I thought if they want to do it, that makes me happy. That's right. That's right. We'll have to add that. Our, our Equus Online University, that uh, Dad does these recordings of lessons. We have almost 300 up there now. We don't have manners. Uh, we have a lot of mounting block lessons. Everything. We'll have to add that to it, Audrey. Could you be one of our models? Absolutely. Oh, great. Good. <laughs> Absolutely. We'll work on the script with Jen. She's got all the best punchlines for that. Too. Okay, that's great. <laughs> well, thanks again. Thanks for being back with us, Audrey. For more of these insights into good horsemanship, go to MontyRoberts.com and click on the words Ask Monty at the bottom of the page. Hi, I'm Monty Roberts, and I'm dedicated to training horses without pain. You can learn to do it, too, on my Equus Online University. Western, English, the beginner, or the advanced rider. It doesn't matter. You can connect with other students online, too, on our forum. And there's a new lesson every week. It's a lifetime of learning for you on my Equus Online University at MontyRoberts.com. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Where in the world is Monty Roberts? Monty is looking forward to meeting some new friends, two-legged and four-legged, in July 2021. Can you believe it? We're already in the midst of a horse sense and healing, and uh, it's a lot of fun. July 2, 3, and 
4th of July, which is appropriate for our veterans and first responders. And it's always a fun group because it's a meaningful group. And to do it on the 4th of July is meaningful. And then uh, we'll be in the midst of our 12th, our introductory course of horsemanship, and that's uh, July 12 through 23. And then August, we have 2nd through 13th is Gentling Wild Horses. It's our full two-week program, so 10 days. You get the weekend off to sleep. <laughs> it's basically, <laughs> a, it's exciting and it's exhausting and really fun. And uh, August 16 through 20 is Monty's special training. We'll be filming that. It's, you know, those are the ones that he just meets the horse on the day and just gets to work. And it's, um, the transformation is awesome. There we go. And if you couldn't put all of that to memory, I know I couldn't. You can find all of that and more at MontyRoberts.com. You can also give Flag Is Up Farms a call at 805-688-6288. And circling back around, if you go to MontyRoberts.com, you'll find that phone number if you couldn't remember it. So there you go. Keeping our horses happy and healthy is paramount to horse owners everywhere. Since our horses are often a reflection of the environment we create for them, the Stall and Stable Show covers ideas that help us create the best home we can. From innovations in barn design to business best practices and lifestyle segments, there's a new episode every two weeks at stallandstable.com, Horse Radio Network, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, that's about a wrap-up for today. It's been quite a big show. And for details about today's show... You can go to MontyRoberts.com because the podcasts are right there on the homepage. You just scroll down a little bit. Sure. But if yeah, you want to go to the page that has just the podcasts and nothing else, you're going to go to HorsemanshipRadio.com and you're going to find pictures and links and information about today's guests and topics. And we love your feedback. Great way to give us feedback is on social media. And Monty is on social media. Of course, there's the Facebook page, Monty Roberts with the little blue check mark. He is also on Twitter and Instagram. His handle is Monty underscore Roberts. Get the app so you don't miss any episodes. Our app for Horse Radio Network works for Android and iPhone. Just go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network. It's free and easy to use. You can choose one show, five shows, every show. It's your choice. Yeah. That's right. And many thanks to our sponsor, too. That is Hands-On Gloves. Woo-hoo. We love our Hands-On Gloves. And uh, we, they have a youth size, too. Did you know that? I did not know that. These? Oh, these little kids are so good with them, too. You know, they love rubbing up and down those legs and <laughs> they're small. But, yeah, we, yeah we, we're using them in our lead-up program for the, for the youth, too. So, yep. I love them. And MontyRobertsUniversity.com. That is a separate website from MontyRoberts.com, but you can find it there. But MontyRobertsUniversity.com, um, there are, we are almost rolling the clock over to 700 lessons. Can you Woo-hoo! believe that? Oh my gosh. And be sure to visit all the other great shows too on the Horse Radio Network. That's www.horseradionetwork.com. But until next time, have many happy horse hours. 